This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome, welcome here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff. We're here for you. We're here for your pets. Anything you want to talk about. And uh, how to get a hold of me. If you have a question, a burning question, you need an answer now. It's so easy. 877-385-8882. Once again, toll free. 877-385-8882. Better yet, you can join us here live on PetLifeRadio.com. You click on Shows. You go to Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff, and there will be a Zoom link left for you. You're going to connect just the way I did. You click on the Zoom, and we'll be good to go. Also, my simulcast here with my Instagram live, if you need to get a hold of me, and I don't get to you during the show or can't if it's too complicated, always send me a direct message, personal, on my Instagram. That's Werbs underscore DBM. You can search for Dr. Jeff Werber. And um, I will get back to you. By the way, just so you know, I am a much better talker than I am a texter. So for me to text you a five-minute conversation, right, is going to take me 30 minutes. To just talk, it'll be five minutes. So I'm much for I'm very old-fashioned. Talking has been my, is my game. <laughs> Typing is not. So anyway, uh, Hudson's coming in Thursday for neuter. Get my laser tuned up. My la- my, I use my, you know, it's funny. When I started using laser, and this guy, it's 15 years ago, and it, they were just getting, they were like new. So um, I was talked into it, and this company approaches me. They had no hospitals in the Los Angeles area. So look, <laughs> if I get a good deal, <laughs> I'm going for it. So, so they gave me a great deal. Uh, in the event that I will talk to other veterinarians and I will promote them and I will video some of my surgeries, which I do. It's fantastic. So anyway, what I started doing was, because it was new and nobody wanted, you know, they had no laser. So I said, okay, I'm going to add a laser surgery fee, an option, $75 if you want me to use laser. They heal faster. There's no bleeding. There's less inflammation because there's no bleeding. I figured people would want it. So I started doing it. And those that did want it, and many did, but some didn't. So as I'm sitting there and I'm starting to use the laser and I'm saying, wait a second, this is so much better to heck with the 75 bucks. I'm going to use it anyway. And now I only use it for, I mean, I use it for almost every single surgery I do. So what's really funny is that now um, when I'll pick up a, a scalpel and I'll say, what's this for again? I remember using one of these. Oh yeah, for skin scrapings. I mean, very, very infrequent. I use it for cherry eye surgery. I still use a scalpel because I want the bleeding. But most, I'd say 98% of surgeries that I do, I don't use scalpel anymore. It's laser and laser is the best. So dental chews, do I endorse? Well, there are so many out there. Um, I know that Greenies has a good dental chew. There are Jinx has a great dental chew. So, you know, a dental chew is a dental chew. Whatever it is, even the TD diet is good for the teeth. However, is it going to replace good brushing? And the answer is no. Nothing is going to replace a regular schedule of brushing teeth every day or every other day. That's what we need to do. Now, are these dental chews better than nothing? Yes. Are they water additives? Are they better? Yes. Why? The water additives, interestingly, unless you have some like Ascophyllum nodosum, which is the seaweed derivative, and it comes from Japan, comes from the Netherlands. It's really, really good. That has been shown to actually, you know, cut back on tartar formulation. And basically tartar, again, is a mixture of the plaque, the film left on, 
over the teeth after eating, a residual from a meal. Then in several days, mixing with saliva and the bacteria in the mouth, it hardens and it becomes tartar or calculus. Once it becomes that, you cannot brush it off. So don't kid yourself, which is why if you're going to do some home care, you want to do it that is every other day, but you, you wait four or five days, eh, it's going to be too late. So as I said, what was that last ingredient? It's the saliva and the bacteria. So a lot of the water additives have an antibacterial property. So it at least cuts down on the oral flora, which then would make it more difficult to work on that plaque with the saliva if you cut down on the bacteria. And again, so these things all help. But again, understand there is nothing, and I mean nothing, that is going to replace a good schedule of routine brushing. And that's really what you need to do. So um, my recommendation, but there are some good shoes out there. Make sure the dog likes it. Here's the thing with chewing. When, this is why I always say why, you know, when people say, well, I feed the hard food. How come he's getting plaque? Or I feed these chews. How, how come? How come? Well, I'll tell you how come. Because that second ingredient, that additive that is going to cause the formation of the plaque, all right, to become tartar or calculus is saliva. Now, interestingly, this is what I get such a kick out of. So you look into a dog's mouth and when you think, okay, what teeth are they using to chew with? They're using their premolars and molars, right? Canines, the fangs, they look great. They're for tearing. What was the last time your dog had to actually tear for its food? How about the incisors? They're right, the top six on the bottom and the six on top. Those are cutting incised to cut. When was the last time your dog had to cut with its teeth to get some food? We give them prepared food. It's all done for them. All they have to do is chew it. And they're using those back teeth to chew. Well, why then, if they're only teeth they're really using, are the chew teeth, all right? Why is it that most of the plaque and tartar accumulates on those teeth? If they're chewing, it should be abrading up all that plaque away. Those should be the best teeth. The ones that are sitting there doing nothing anymore, they should be getting the residual, right? From the chewing and the food in the mouth, and they're still getting the plaque. Ah, why? Because the saliva and the salivary ducts empty into the mouth right above those molars. So that's the problem. So it's the saliva over those teeth. That's why even though they're using those teeth the most and they're abrading those teeth every time they eat a hard food or a doggy treat or a dental treat, and yet they still accumulate tartar, that's why. So for that reason, brushing is the way to go. Hold on. Skater coach, uh, my 14-year-old pug, good for you. Five, only five teeth left. Why did I give it to his mouth? It's clean. He only eats soft food. His mouth smelled bad. 12 years old, he had major dental surgery. So there's your answer. With the few teeth that are left, all right, and also, when they're that age, they get a lot of infection. So that's where, by the way, when they have not a lot of teeth left, especially if they have no molars left, you want to feed soft food, which you're doing. That's where a water additive can come in handy. It's the water additive is usually antimicrobial, antibacterial. And so that was what it's going to do. That is what's going to help keep the bacteria count down and thus the odor down. But very important, if a dog had such a bad problem over the years and has had dental surgery, then there's a good chance there may be what's called a fistula, a drainage tract communicating with the gums and the nasal cavity, especially if it's the uppers. And uh, that, oh my God, that causes really, really bad infection and smell. So you want to have that uh, looked at, but that would be my recommendation. But it doesn't surprise me. Uh, we have a lot of dogs that, we have cats, for example. Take a cat. A cat gets something called severe stomatitis, all right, where they're mouth, their gums actually reject their own teeth. So what happens is they get these wicked infections in the mouth. The gums get very red and inflamed. And it's almost like 
They're allergic to their own teeth. And what is the treatment of choice? Yes, we try steroids. Yes, we try some, some gels that we can apply to the mouth. We put them, and we put them in antibiotics. That could help. But ultimately, if the cat has a really bad case, the treatment of choice, believe it or not, is to extract, do it's called a full mouth extraction. Take out every single tooth. And these cats afterwards, they do great. They eat, they can still eat. But cats don't even chew their food. You get, you know, most of the cat food, dry cat food, the morsels are really small, little kibbles. They don't chew those, they swallow them. In fact, all you have to do is look for a cat that vomits, right? And what comes up, oh, it's exactly what went down. Because they don't chew, they don't break it up anyway. So they can do fine. So it just shows you that animals, they make it work. When we have some sort of compromise, right? When we have some type of disability, we have to really work hard to make it work. Animals, that's a piece of cake. Three legs, no problem. One eye, no sweat. Two eyes, no sweat. I mean, they make do. And uh, oh, remember we talked a couple of weeks ago, speaking of going blind in both eyes, and they seem to do fine. They seem to be able to chase the ball. There's a connection between their olfactory center, all right, and the occipital lobe, which handles the vision, okay? And so what happens is they, it's almost as if they, by using their sense of smell, which is amazing, and it can direct them to the object, they go with such purpose that it looks like they can see, even though they're blind. They got both eyes gone and, and closed, and yet they can still chase things. So again, they never stop amazing me. This is really cool. Speaking of eyes, and you know, every now and then, I, I kind of like the cool stuff. I think this is cool. So stem cell therapy tested in dogs with eye disease, right? What they did was they take the human-derived precursors, photoreceptor precursors. These are the cells that are going to become photoreceptors from humans. And they put them, they implant them into the retinas of dogs. And the cells survived. And they actually form connections with the existing retinal cells. So the, the hope is that if dogs are having vision problems or retinal degeneration, that they can have implants of other, even other species because before they're specialized, these cells, they don't have the same antigenic property. So there's less rejection. And then it can probably work the other way as well. So uh, they think this is really good for, especially for hereditary vision loss in both people and animals. This might be great. Oh, this is sad. You have to have something cool, then you have something sad. More and more pets being dumped in Philadelphia wooded parks, mostly in affluent areas. My first thought, well, what? The affluent? No, no, no. What it is, is the people, for whatever reason, because of COVID, because of losing their homes, because of an inability to actually pay for care, they are taking their pets and they're dropping them off in wooded areas, in affluent areas, because they know that if a person with finances, right, with the ability to cover costs, will want to take this poor pet in and take it to their vet and fix it up. So they feel that the chances of something good happening for their pet will be greater if they drop them off in affluent areas. So I Hey, it's sad. It's reality. We're seeing it you know, on many parts of the country, especially with the, the housing crisis as it is. So, uh, but at least, at least they're having a little bit of sense to uh, try their best to get, make sure these pets are, are well taken care of. It's, you know, it's, like, it's like someone who is giving up a pet and the morning crew out of hospital comes in or what, six in the morning, 6.30, whatever it is. And what's at the back door of the hospital? A box with a litter of puppies or kittens. They know they know they can't handle them. They didn't want to put them in a garbage dumpster. So at least take them to a vet because a vet's going to have a little heart and the staff is going to have heart. And they know the chances of these animals being taken care of are greater if we leave them at a vet hospital versus just dumping them somewhere. So yeah, not bad. 
Now, before we go, I'm going to little, I want your answers on this one. And that is this indoor versus outdoor cats. Okay. And uh, it's like, what do you think? So I want to know from your perspectives, how many of you have indoor cats? How many of you have outdoor cats? And when we come back after our break, which is now, we're going to talk about some of the statistics and some of the issues with indoor versus outdoor cats. So don't go away. We'll be right back after these words. Those of you on Instagram Live, stick around because we could talk during the commercials on Pet Life Radio. All right, don't go away. We'll be right back. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And we're back here live on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff and, of course, my Instagram Live. So going into commercial, we had a question about indoor versus outdoor cats. I found this very fascinating. And it was a story that came from the American Vet Med Association. And it was talking about just how many indoor cats. So a couple of people that shot back at me over at, um, at my Instagram, one, no cats, other one, indoor, only cats. So here's a 81% of pet cats in the U.S., are kept indoors, and that includes my five and 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 my sisters uh, too. And most vets apparently recommend that. I, you know, I'm a little more open, but but I think lifestyle. If you live in a metropolitan area like Los Angeles, I truly believe that cats should be indoor only, or there is an alternative: outdoor in an enclosure or only taken for walks. I see it's interesting. I see some cats are trained; they put a harness on them, you walk them like they walk a dog. And they have them under control. My fear about outdoor cats, especially in a busy area, dogs, cats, other cats, coyotes, cars, feline leukemia virus, feline AIDS virus. I mean, we're throwing a lot of them that can be very, very, very dangerous. And um, raccoons too. They'll kill a cat in no time if they can get to them. So my issue really is that for the cat safety, I think we're better indoors. Now, there are other reasons that some object to outdoor cats. This I found interesting that a lot of the wildlife experts and advocacy groups say that the outdoor cats contribute to the decline of songbirds and other native species. They're hunters. That was the big thing in LA with ferrets. They were outlawed in California because they felt that they were attacking some of our flora and it was upsetting the balance. And therefore it was illegal to own a, a ferret in California. Now, I would say, they say though, if you're going to have a cat that is an indoor-outdoor cat, their recommendations are the following. First of all, feed them amply, feed them on a regular basis so they know they don't have to be out hunting because they get their food on a regular basis, on a mealtime, and they're always going to come back for that. And most importantly, make sure, even though they might be outside roaming and doing their thing during the day, make sure that they are inside at night. But understand, there was an article I read sometime years ago that the average indoor cat 
lives around 14 plus years, average. I mean, some make it, hey, I've had cats that went to 18, but some also had one that went at, at 11. So the average is 14 to 15 years. The average age survival of an outdoor cat is four years. So I mean, that kind of tells you right there. You're cutting their lives short by letting them go outside. Yes, they may, and they do like it. They're hunters, but let me tell you something about Ninja. Now, I've had Ninja on the show. I had um, initially, um, Ninja wanted to come in. The problem with Ninja is he is such a love. He wants to be like literally right on top of me. And when he does, what happens is he will step on my computer. He will uh, erase what I'm doing. He will knock out the cords and disconnect me. Or worse yet, he's done it twice, knocked over my coffee. So which I was always more upset that he took my coffee by knocking it over or the, the coffee spilled everywhere. And God, what a mess to clean up. So uh, anyway, he's not allowed in here, but he was an outdoor cat. And uh, we took him in. My daughter was sitting outside waiting for a friend and he came up to her, a beautiful black cat, no ID whatsoever, right? And started nudging up to her and, and she was petting it and, and he was purring and rubbing on, to, you know, over on her legs. And then her friend came to pick her up and she left. A couple of days later, as she's coming home, who's out? Same place, the same cat. This time, she made that that terrible mistake. What's the terrible mistake you can do? She went in the house and got it some food. Well, so now he started hanging around, and he was so friendly. We put notices up. Uh, I took him to the office to scan him. No microchip. No one claimed this cat. You know what? He is such a great cat. We got him. So at first, we, now he's indoor only, and every time there's an open door, an open window, he would figure out a way to get out. Now, this is 10, 12 years ago. Now, I mean, he can have the front door wide open. I mean, wide open. He'll walk up to the threshold. He'll take a peek one direction, out direction. Nah, it's too harsh out there. Back inside. He's an indoor cat now. So it can be done. A lot of people say, no, I've tried. They want, of course they want to get out. But if you take good care of them, you feed them, they will adapt pretty well to being back indoors. So just keep that in mind. If you want your cat outdoors, keep them under control, feed them regularly, and make sure they come in at night. So we talked about the eyes and the nose being connected, et cetera, et cetera. This is interesting. Again, all these things about dogs, very few things surprise me anymore because they are amazing. So here, check this one out. Dogs can sense, right, when we are wary of something, strangers, nerves, very anxious about something. How's this? Well, we know they have a remarkable sense of smell, and it comes from, listen to this, somewhere between 220 to 300 million olfactory receptors, all right, scent receptors. Now, how many do we have? Just to put it in perspective, we have five to six. So they are like 50, 60 times stronger than we that. It's amazing, right? Well, anyway, so there's an olfactory bulb also that makes up about 10% of a dog's brain. Ours takes up a very small area. So not only do they have, well, they need to have all these 200, 300 million right, receptors that have to be putting somewhere. So again, the olfactory bulb takes up 10% of their brain. So they basically can smell our fear, our anxiety. Anytime we put out a scent, an odor in response to something, dogs can actually sense it. And that's, again, how amazing is that? So if a stranger comes in and we're starting freaking out, they might actually respond to you because of that, because they do know they can sense it. And also, once they smell it, again, it's so amazing that they know what that means. So if you do it twice, they know what it means. It gets stored in their brain. Ah, I've smelt that before. And when I smelt it last time, it was whatever it was. So 
Very interesting. Uh, a couple of warnings before we uh, end our show. We have a couple of minutes. We've talked about these. Yeah, lately, it's gotten better. It really has been. But there are some issues now with raw diets. We talked about that in the past. And so this one is that Listeria and Salmonella, two of the big four, Campylobacter E. coli, the other two, found in raw dog and cat food. Check this out. Darwin's Natural Cat Food. If you are feeding your cat, Darwin's Natural, they found Salmonella. There's a bunch of recalls. You can go online and check it out. And another one is Primal Pet Products. They have frozen raw beef patties. And uh, they also, be careful, they found salmonella. So again, usually with raw diets, it concerned me. Now, assuming these are raw without any process, either HPP, high pressure pasteurization, or freeze-dried, which can kill off most of these bad bacteria, listeria, campylobacter, E. coli, salmonella, those are the big four. Let me say hi to my friend, Sue, Sue Ettinger. Hey, how you doing? Nice to have you join me. Anyway, so if you're feeding those foods, you definitely want to uh, check the labels out and go online and just make sure they're not one of the ones that were recalled. And um, this was also really cool. I'm going to end on this because it's a great one. And um, more and more companies now are offering pet bereavement leave. So, you know, it's not like, you know, when a dad, right, a new dad, right, you get the, the paternity layoff. So it's not just maternity leave, it's paternity leave. Now bereavement leave. Because what's happening is, first of all, companies are understanding the importance, right, of how our pets, what they do for our lives and what they do for our productivity. And they want to retain these good employees. And if they don't let them take a couple of days off or whatever it is, when they lose a pet, knowing how special that pet was in their lives, they're not going to be that functional anyway. That's all they're thinking about was their poor lost pet. So you know what? Take a week off, take a few, whatever it is. And again, it does tell us that those of us that are pet lovers are not the only ones that understand how important pets are for us in our lives. And that our employers now are also realizing that. And I think that's a huge step. And yeah, there could be some ramifications on the other end. And, and uh, if that's the case, this is the fear when we start talking about pets as our children. All right. And many, many out there, and I'm talking animal people say, not so fast. It's true, but don't advertise it. Why? Because if there's a problem for us, for veterinarians, all right, right now, and I, this sounds so cold and I get it, but, but I'm, just, I'm just sharing it that an animal is considered legally property in most states. And so therefore you can't sue a veterinarian for a problem, all right, for other than the costs of whatever the service was done that didn't work out or that maybe hurt the pet, or if the pet died, you replace the pet, et cetera. And that's why our insurance, for example, for, for like 300 bucks a year, we get a million dollars worth of liability insurance because pets aren't that valuable. You, and like in California, you'd have to prove gross malicious negligence, gross negligence, not just negligence, not just an accident that happened because someone did something stupidly, but gross negligence. That I mean, a sign that was there, they should have seen it, they didn't pour it out. Then you might, you might be able to sue for more than just the value of the pet. But if we start considering pets like children and we have bereavement time off, then how about the emotional problem? Because we're, we are appreciating the emotional attachment we have to our pets. Then the, the veterinarians start having problems with lawsuits when something happens and now people are trying to sue for you know 10 million dollars so it's a double-edged sword and you know it's funny because personally knock on wood knock on whatever i have not had any kind of one of those really really bad things this i hate to use the word but does crap happen yes it does are mistakes inevitable with all the employees that we have in an office absolutely but it happens 
But to then have to say, oh my God, the technician used an outdated drug or something or whatever it could be. They're usually things that minor things, things that are, were mishaps in communication. I have stories that I'm involved in from an expert witness. I do expert witnessing that are really gross negligence. And those are the ones that peeve me off as a veterinarian because my colleagues that are doing that on a regular basis shouldn't get away with it. Years ago, I did this thing. It was a sting from the NBC, Joel Grover, the investigative reporter. And the stuff would blow your mind as consumers, as pet lovers, pet parents. And even if you're a veterinarian out there, it would blow your mind if this stuff happened with a few of the same vets, same kinds of stories. And I didn't know who it was. So I just was basically just talking about, they never told me names. They never said anything. They just, this is what happened. And I commented on it, right? And anyway, bottom line is that was the bad guy. My colleagues were mad at me. And I said, wait a second. Are you okay with this kind of veterinarian? What kind of message is that telling people about what we do? I mean, come on. You should be hating this guy as much as I did because I can't believe it. And he was getting away with it. Anyway, the good news was this guy, he ended up losing his license. It became a big to-do and he was exposed. And you know what? If I help someone expose a veterinarian that I was disgusted with, then I feel pretty good. So hate me if you want, but uh, I think it was good for all of you pet owners. Having this guy not practice anymore is the best thing that could ever happen. Anyway, that's all we have time for today. Great joining with me. Thank you all of you who have joined me. Nice to see you. And hopefully we'll be here. Well, we will be here planning on it anyway. Next week, same bad time. That is 9 a.m. in the West, noon in the East, anything in between, both on Pet Life Radio. And thanks to Mark, our producer, and also on Instagram Live. So we'll uh, see you next week. Have a great week, everybody. Now, if you have any questions, you can always reach me. Send me an email to drjeff at petliferadio.com or reach me on Instagram. All right. See you Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on petliferadio.com. <laughs>